This is the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin, episode 12. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. Hey, what's up? Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for hanging out with us. My name is Grant Baldwin. You are listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. And uh, today we are on episode 12 with my friend Michael Gebbin. Now, Michael is a guy that if, if you're not familiar with, I'm telling you his energy, his enthusiasm, his passion and zest for life is going to become infectious to you. I'm telling you, you are going to leave this podcast with a smile on your face, a little skip in your step, perhaps. He just has that kind of effect on you. Michael's a friend of mine. He, the guy is a, a a video production wizard. The guy is just really, really good. In fact, we have a, a video on our website that Michael produced. You can check that out at grantbalden.com. It's on the homepage there. But just a, a really great, not only video production guy, but really just a great dude who really... Uh, even at a young age, has a very clear grasp on life and where he's headed and creating the kind of life that he wants to have, which ultimately... I mean, ultimately, that's that's what this whole show is about, is helping people create the kind of life that they want to have. And Michael is someone that, that as a guy even in his 20s, who, who's creating that and doing that for himself. So Michael's story, uh, really cool. He, he actually started a video production business when he was 19. He made $8,000 his senior year of high school, which as a high school student is seriously good money. Uh, and in fact, even after his first year of high school, he made some serious, serious coins. So uh, stick around, make sure that you check that out. Uh, another thing that I think that, that we can really pull and glean from Michael's story is about just just finding someone who's where you want to be and just trying to connect with them. And that's something that Michael did. And in fact, it's really a way that he got a lot of business was from his his local competition as other video production companies. And it's how he really created some uh, some strategic, strategic partners to build his business. So I think you're really going to catch something from that today. But uh, really, uh, as always, just really good stuff and super excited to share this this interview with you. So uh, as always, you can find all the show notes and, and links, everything about the show, everything that we discussed discuss and cover at grantbalden.com slash Michael Gebbin, G-E-B-B-E-N, Michael Gebbin. Uh, so make sure that you stop by and you check that out. All right, let's do this. Here's my friend, Michael. All right, today I'm hanging out with my friend, Michael Gebbin, who is a video production wizard maven, just a, a brainiac of a dude, just a really, really cool guy who's doing some cool stuff online and in the video space. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Grant. Thanks for having me, buddy. You bet. All right, let's uh, tell us your journey here. So tell us, you're, you're kind of a video production guy, and I know that you own your own company. You've been doing this since you were 19, since you were just a puppy. So tell us, what, tell us about your business today. Yeah. So, I mean, I started my video production company when I was 19. I chose not to go to college. And that's because I actually had done a little bit of video stuff in, in high school. I uh, kind of got into it really probably because of my dad. He actually works in a cemetery. And what's crazy is that one of the funeral homes asked him if I could make uh, photo slideshows. They knew we did some video stuff. So I got asked as a junior in high school to start making funeral slideshows. And I did that. I filmed some school plays. I made a video yearbook for my senior class. And uh, my senior year, I filmed my first wedding. And when I got out, I thought, you know what? Let's give this a try. And let's just see what happens. And I said, give me one year. I told my parents, just give me one year to just try this out. And if it doesn't work out, I can always go back. And that's what I always tell people, too, is, you know, I think if, if, if your parents are out there, whoever's listening or whatever it is, or if, you're, if you are a parent, you know, if your kid does have some type of inkling, of what they want to do, 
do your best to support them because that's really where I, I feel like I'm where I'm at today is because of the support from my parents. But if they have no idea or you have no idea what to do, you know, give them a little push. The willingness for my parents to let me, you know, choose my own path and let me give it a try has just been so invaluable. And then I pushed forward and I've shot weddings all over the United States, Puerto Rico, the Bahamas. And I've also done a lot of commercial work and, and worked with some pretty incredible people, including Mr. Grant Baldwin right here. <laughs> easy, easy there. Calm down. No, that's um, no, that's crazy though that you got your start by doing videos and slideshows for funerals. Yes. That's that I'll, is, I'll uh, yeah, that's just creepy slash awkward. I don't know. Start with a niche that maybe nobody really knows about or wants to right. wants to dive into. So even at that time, so you're kind of dabbling with video. Like growing up as a kid, were you always into video? Were you one of those kids that were making your own little home? movies or how did you kind of become fascinated with with movies and video in general i will say that that honestly i'm probably not the guy who had been playing with a video camera since birth as some might even say about me my dad made again my dad it's got ties into the story i mean he made super eight movies when in the 80s and then we actually made some movies called my dad's gone nuts and stinky socks stolen and some other funny things so that's how i kind of dabbled in video but i was never really like i honestly until that probably senior year, did I ever think that I would do video as any kind of profession. I mean, I actually am kind of, people really know me at the core, kind of an entrepreneur at heart. I mean, I wanted to have a car detailing business when I was in like seventh, eighth grade. I was cleaning cars. I had a you know, the lemonade stand. I had a paper out when I was 10. And then I also had a candy machine business in high school. I wanted to be a personal trainer. I mean, I went through a lot of different things. And, you know, that we were talking about that beforehand. I mean, I've gone through a lot. And I don't know, the video stuff, it just kind of fell into my lap. And I guess I was into technology and, and all that. And it, it just kind of, it just kind of fell right. And I, and I went for it and I did enjoy it. And, um, it's worked out pretty well uh, to, to say the least. Yeah, but for sure. Well, I mean, before you start dabbling with the video stuff, did you have any type of, of idea of, Hey, this is what I want to do with my life or any kind of path in your mind of where you were headed? Well, that's the funny thing. I mean, in high school, you know, they, they start having you fill out all these things for college and, And I don't know, there was this, I never filled any of that stuff out ever. I never, I don't think, like really knew exactly what I was going to do in high school. Like I started having some, basically what I tell people is, I mean, I made $4,000 my junior year with video related things, mainly the montage, the slideshows. I made $8,000 my senior year which was, I think, more than the job that I had had for the last eight years. You know, I would work there five days a week, and, you know, I really, I was making like $6 an hour. So, I mean, to make 8000 on this little video stuff, and I just figured, you know what, what the heck? Like, I could try this out. Maybe I'll make $16,000 the next year. And actually, that first year out of high school and doing my own business, I did $60,000, actually. And uh, it was kind of crazy. I mean, I, I got a bunch of weddings. I went to a bridal show. I booked like 12 weddings at that bridal show. And I also uh, got some dance recitals that I filmed, a couple graduations. Nice. And it just, it you know, but I literally thought at the time when I started this that I could do $500 weddings, you know, film and tape transfers to DVD. I do these photo slideshows. I mean, I got a guy... And I rented this storefront and basically locally where I live, I had a storefront and people were able to drop off their VHS tapes and everything. I just started hustling. I went to networking meetings. I started learning and, you know, I just, I just hustled and that's what I've done ever since. But it was the fact that I just started making some money with it, dabbling with it. And I think I always had this kind of entrepreneurial spirit 
and uh, about making money and, and selling things. And so it just it felt natural. It honestly did. So everything just kind of seemed like it just kind of fell into place. Like you're just dabbling with this thing. It seemed like an opportunity light bulb goes off and, and it wasn't like, uh, it sounds like it wasn't like, Hey, I did this, you know, this cemetery or this, this funeral <laughs> slideshow. And it's like, Hey, this is it. This is my life's calling. No pun intended there at a funeral, but <laughs> feeling like, Hey, this was kind of cool. Let's try this again. And let's try this again. And let's try this again. And each time I'm getting paid and I'm enjoying it. And it sounds like that was kind of the kind of the trajectory. And that was kind of the path was, hey, I'm enjoying this. So I don't feel like I have to do this for the next 50 years. But today at this moment, I really enjoy this. So let's keep trying to expand this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing is, you know, sometimes when things just feel right, you got to run with it. And I, you know, I had and I've still had throughout my career, and I think this is what a lot of people can resonate with is, you know, the, the term, that phrase, shiny object syndrome, you know, where we see these ideas or we see somebody talking about things and we see money associated with it, though, but we get driven by the result of what money we think we can make and not by the actual process or not, you know, by what you're actually doing. And I found that the most success that I've ever had in life has come from the things that I actually did enjoy doing. And right. honestly, at the end of the day, didn't really know how much money or what kind of, I mean, I was making some money, but it wasn't like these other things where somebody was like, oh, you could do this, blah, 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 and you'll make $190,000 in 90 days. And then you get all infatuated with that, but it's just, but it still takes hard work. Everything takes hard work to, to succeed on some level. So if you don't love it, you're gonna have a really hard time. Yeah, and it seems like though that there's there's really that correlation there that when you do something because it's fun and do something because it's just like selfishly enjoyable or you feel like you're contributing to something and you're not worried about the money, it seems like almost inevitably the money tends to work itself out, yeah. which is is difficult because I think like guys like us as entrepreneurs, like we're planners, like at the end of the day, we have bills to pay. And so you got to have some type of idea of how is this going to translate into dollars so that I can eat and live indoors. But I also want to do something that's just fulfilling and enjoyable and just brings and breathes life into me and into others. And it sounds like you're just, you're like, you are, I guess in some ways, like one of the fortunate ones who were able to stumble into that early. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I wish there was an exact formula. And like we were kind of talking beforehand, I mean, I went through a million phases before I kind of, you know, I still my senior year a little bit thought I was going to go to school for kinesiology to become a personal trainer, even when I was messing with this video stuff. So I guess, you know, fast forward back just a little bit as things pop back into my mind, you know, I had a little bit of that, but I had a million things. I was into so many things. And, and so like we talked, I mean, you got to be willing to try things. You got to be willing to quote unquote fail fast. You know, don't just think about things. Thinking doesn't do anybody any good. You know, action does a lot of good. Even if you, you know, think you're falling flat on your face, you'll learn so much. I've done so many things where I've, <laughs> I've fallen flat on my face to learn, nope, that wasn't right for me. But I do it a lot quicker now so that it doesn't take up two years and then I do it. I just, you know, I might try it real quick. It's not perfect and it doesn't matter to me. And then I, I learned from there. So, yeah. So your senior year of high school, you make eight grand doing this video stuff. Yeah. That's crazy. All right. So it sounds like, you know, you do a couple of these funerals and they start kind of coming together. And then from there, is it just basically word of mouth where word starts to spread about, about your video stuff? Well, I mean, you know, I built a little bit of a foundation. Like I said, I went to a local bridal show that was a couple hundred bucks and I booked like 12 weddings at that. I got a loan. I will say I did get a loan from my bank. It was $20,000 actually when I started my, my business. Now, the bank was not going to give me the loan unless I had a business plan. And so there's a thing called SCORE, 
and SCORE helped me put together that business plan. And then from there, they also gave me some ideas of things to do and where to network and go to B&I meetings and you know local growth association and these other things. So I just started putting myself out there. And then, like I said, I took this crazy whacked out plunge to start this uh, to have this storefront, which is a few hundred dollars a month to, you know, to rent. And I guess sometimes when what I've learned, you know, as we're talking about this, you know, this thing sparking into my mind, you know, thinking back, sometimes when you do things and you actually put yourself out there and now I have this rent, like, I don't think I had a like forever commitment or two year commitment to it. But at the end of the day, I all of a sudden now had this thing that had to be paid every month, right? And so, I mean, I was still living at home, but by having that, it was like this extra layer of motivation to go make things happen, you know, and go out there and hustle and, and make it work. And it just started compounding month after month after month of me getting out there. And, and my motto is that when I do something for somebody, I'm going to, you know, knock it out of the park because I want people to talk about me. And I want people, I mean, now I'm conscious and aware of that mentality, but I guess early on, it was still just kind of part of me where I I thought if I'm going to do something for somebody, I'm going to do a really great job. Like I don't want to produce crap. I'm going to do the best job I know how to do today. That might change two years from now, but the best job I know how to do today. And yes, word of mouth has probably been one of my biggest assets. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, I've always heard that about speaking in the, in kind of the, the context of what I do is that the best marketing is just showing up and delivering like an insanely good speech. Uh, and the same thing with video, like people, the, the nature of a video is people watch it and you yes. want people to share it. And therefore, like if you just do an insanely good job, it just sets you apart from, from 99% of the other people that are doing it. Cause it seems like, you know, like whenever you say you went to a bridal show and you booked 12 weddings, like it, it seems to me again, I correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like videographers at a bridal shower would be a very competitive thing. But you're able to come away with 12 bookings and we're yeah. able to like leverage that and spin it into additional you know, business long term. I want to speak on that for one second for everybody because I, I'm really, you know, in all my study of business and everything that I you know, look at nowadays and just looking back through my career, there are things that there are opportunities that they'll still work to an extent at any point in time, but there's certain times when it actually is much, is much easier. And if you come in a little later, it might be a little bit more difficult. So I will say that wedding videography, because again, these were wedding videos, um, wedding videography was, and this was back in 2006, which is it's crazy to even think about. Well, it's not that long ago, but it still it feels like a long time ago. But in 2006, there really weren't a lot of wedding videographers yet. There was still a pretty good chunk of photographers. Now there's a ton. But wedding videography, there weren't a ton. So I think at the bridal show I was at, I don't think there were any other um, videographers. And I had one wedding I did, which I did my senior year from my best friend's parents' neighbor and I did it for $500, and that's what I had. I put together a video from that, and that's what I had as a sample. And people were seeing this, and they hadn't even at that time. And I look back, I'm like, oh, my gosh. But at that time, what I had created, these people at this bridal show, they hadn't seen anything like it. Now, I will add, too, I was still uh, fairly inexpensive. I was averaging maybe $800 to $1,200 at that bridal show. But, yeah, it, there wasn't a lot of competition. But I can tell you, as the years progressed, 
And as my price went up, which was also probably part of it, but there were a lot more people that started to get into the game. So, you know, that that is part of it sometimes is is timing. But I think I think you bring up a good point there that you really brought a lot of value to the and it felt like a valuable buy for someone to make, knowing that wow, this guy is like amazingly good at what he does. And it's not uber expensive of what I would think it could be. And so when you find kind of that, that right middle ground for pricing something, it's like, sheesh, I don't feel like I'm getting ripped off and I don't feel like I'm stealing. It just, it, I don't know, just the pricing right. of it just feels right that this yeah. is a really, really good value. I think another great point that you make there is that when you're starting, whenever you put together kind of a, a portfolio or a demo video of a reel of your work, that you're starting with what you have. You know, at that point, you don't have hundreds of weddings of under your belt. And you probably don't have the latest and greatest, you know, gear that you have today. You just, you start with what you've got and then you just build on that from there. Same thing. You know, I remember as a speaker, like my, you just did a new demo video for me that looks insanely good. And I would be embarrassed for anybody to see like my original video. Like it was just the, the audio was horrible. The lighting was horrible. You couldn't really see your, but it was enough that someone could tell like, okay, I can see that he can connect with the audience yeah, here. And it, served, it served you well for a while, didn't it? Exactly. Exactly. And then you, you can scale up from there. I mean, you, your original wedding demo video, it served its purpose for several months or years, and then you make a new one and then you make a new one. And so you work with what you've got at the time. But the, the difficult comparison is sometimes like for you, you're coming into this brand new space where there may be some competition or whoever may be listening to this and they're going, they're looking at a, a potential competitor or someone that they want to be like, or they want to do it like in terms of business. And they're, they're going, I can't have that slick of a website and my, my promo pictures won't look that good or my blog won't be that pretty. And it's like, they didn't always have that. Like they just started right where they were yeah, and they built me, from let there. Let me bounce in for that for a second. Cause I mean, anybody listening, the thing that I always try to help people kind of get unstuck on this, this one thing, which is that comparison to others. We always think that everybody in our little market are people that we'll be dealing with. Let's say you do go to networking meetings or whatever. 99% of those people won't know anyone that you know or that you look up to or that you think is amazing or whatever. Like they're just not. I mean I, that I still believe to this day. Even if I did go to a local bridal show, all the people in the wedding industry now that are just outstanding videographers and ones I would say who are better than me, like they don't know who those people are. And you have that opportunity to just make your best impression on them wherever you're at in your business, in your life, in your career. And, and, and that's the thing. And absolutely, you don't need to compare yourself to everyone else. It's good to kind of push you, but at the same time, don't get hung up that because yours doesn't look like that. I, have, I mean, I have a buddy who gets $50,000 consulting jobs. And he has the worst website on the planet. And I can say that because we've talked about it. <laughs> but it is literally what we mentioned earlier. It is word of mouth. I mean, it is word of mouth. I mean, I was in a call where he was closing a $50,000 consulting job. And it was a Skype call at a hotel room. And basically, you know, he was in a hotel room traveling. He was doing a Skype call with this guy. And at the end of the call, the guy says, well, you're good enough for Jack. You're good enough for me. You know, and it was just like that word of mouth, that referral type of business. If you can build that None of his representation of him was even what he did for the people. Why? Because he did a phenomenal job delivering the result for his clients. I don't have I don't even have demos anymore. I just have the things I've produced for my clients. I don't even have some of the things I tell my clients to do. But that's not stopping me from getting work because most of my work does come now from word of mouth, not organic, like they found me on, you know, Google and they love my website and love my work and then they reach out. I mean, that's probably literally less than 5%, 1% of my total business. Yeah. So. What would you say uh, just as a ballpark right now would be a percentage of your business that comes just from word of mouth? 
Yeah, I mean, just that. So do the opposite. I mean, literally ninety five to ninety eight percent of my business is is literally word of mouth. I That's mean, insane. it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, even when I I don't even do that many weddings right now. Even weddings, I mean, I could have booked probably 40 weddings this year. I have nowhere near that. I'm just not doing as many more in many weddings anymore. But uh, I could have just based on the leads that I sent to my buddies and everything else. I mean, I definitely, without a doubt, could have booked 30 to 40 weddings. And they were all, I haven't spent any money on advertising. I don't go to any bridal shows. They were all somebody, if you looked in my shoot queue thing, it said, uh, you know, we referred from X and this bride and that bride and this photographer and mm-hmm. that person. So yeah, I mean, it's powerful. That takes time. Everybody listen. that takes time. And you still, you know, you have to hustle. The, the most hustle comes when you start something. So. Right, right. No, and you've been a, you've done a good been just a great example of someone who really you know you've done something you've built from where you were you've built the skill set you've built the gear you've got better over, over the years to now you have an you know an insanely good business that you've been able to kind of diversify and do some different things with even as you're starting though you're coming in to do weddings is primary your bread and butter when you started correct. Absolutely. Yes. So when you when you were starting doing that, and you're still kind of inexperienced and new to the game, what kind of like doubts, insecurities, fears are you wrestling with? Because if you're shooting someone's wedding, you have one take. You know, it's not like you can go back up and be like, "Hey, priest, rabbi, minister, can you take it from the top? Let's do that again. I didn't get that. That lighting was off. You know. So how do you get over some of those just your your internal doubts and those internal voices that that are kind of messing with you? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I I have a YouTube series that I, I talk about this kind of stuff. And, and that's one of the ones that I talked about is I had a buddy who's been following me pretty much since the beginning. And one of the things that he brought up to me recently was that the biggest thing, and this isn't directly with the weddings per se, but in general, and this happens to you no matter who you are, what age you are, where you live or anything. But my biggest thing that he identified when I was younger was exactly that oh, I'm so young. People aren't going to take me seriously. Like I'm not going to be able to charge a lot. Like I was, I had all this self-talk and this self-doubt because of my age, because of, you know, the, the same things that everybody has that we talked about, you know, the lack of portfolio, the lack of this. I mean, it can go on and on and on, but it doesn't matter if I was, I've, I've heard people say that when they're 50, I'm too old. If they're middle-aged or I have too many, I have kids. I, you know, there's always an excuse it's always going to be different wherever you're at in your life. And what I found is the biggest difference between me of 19 years old and me of 27, though, the, just the caliber of people that I've gotten to deal with now, it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm older, though, because if you look at me, I don't look, I get pictures and stuff from 19 to now. I don't look drastically different. It's you not still like, look like you're 12, but you're right. killing it. Yeah, so it, it doesn't. I just did an interview with somebody, and the bottom line is these these high profile people that like I even work with now, like they only work with me because of my not. I try to always, you know, when I'm doing an example, I don't want it to come across as is arrogance because it's not. But the the confidence and the belief when I'm talking to people, there's no uh, I don't know, or you know, this this just kind of like that all can be trans transferred over over the phone in person like people can sense when people don't believe in what they the product that they offer and it doesn't matter if you're a speaker if you're a videographer a photographer a writer you know graphic designer it doesn't matter who you are if you don't believe in what you do then how do you expect others to believe in you and so that's probably one of my biggest shifts and my biggest differences is my my confidence my belief and yeah I do have better work but I, it's not because I have better work that all of a sudden I'm tons more confident. Honestly, Tony Robbins, who I've gotten to work with is, and I just told this interview yesterday, is 
probably one of my biggest things that helped, you know, biggest inspirations that helped me identify like that consciousness and awareness of, of yourself and how you believe in things and just all that. And it, it makes a massive impact. And I've, I've seen it at all different walks of life of people being able to shift that mindset, stop comparing themselves to others and just do the best that they know how to do. And they go on to, to crush it, you know, because when you have that lack mindset, man, the, the, the people who will pay you a premium, and that's the other thing I found. If you, if, even if you're not busy, if you can act as though you are already got work and you're busy, because it's funny how the psychology of people, like they don't want to work with somebody that's just sitting around waiting for their phone call. Right, right. You know, it sounds crazy, but it's true. So, yeah. anyway. well, you've, and, and I think that, that that word hustle like really exemplifies what your career and what your trajectory has been. Like you're just going out and you're just making it happen. So, uh, so it sounds like, I mean, you, you did the, you know, just creating it like insanely good products when you were making wedding videos and just the other type of videos you were making, but then also being at the, the bridal shows, but then even like to, today, you've done a great job like seeing opportunities and taking advantage of them of really networking with some like really kind of high profile people. So what are some things that you've done to even like hustle and get in front of those people and make those connections to what to to people that some of us, you know, may view as like, you know, like the Tony Robbins of the world, like most people who are doing video or doing whatever type of like uh, skill work are probably not being hired by Tony Robbins to do whatever that craft or that skill is. So how are you getting in front of someone like that to be hired to do your thing for them? I'll say that there's there's a couple things I've got here. So one is always providing massive value to people. I've done a lot of free work to get in front of certain people and anybody out there with a you know a skill set, especially I always tell people like if you're an artist or a graphic designer or things like that, like you know, somebody right now, I just had a guy, we have our, our online program and a guy was like, you know, I would love to, I can't afford the course, but I'd love to, you know, create like a, a workbook uh, for the stuff inside there. I noticed you don't have that. I could go through. Now, the thing he could have done differently, unlike me as a videographer and the way I've done it, is he could have sent me a sample of exactly how he would have created it and what he would have done because that's exactly what I've done except for the fact that I can't do something for someone. Like I, For video, I have to first be given the opportunity and then go do it. So I typically would, you know, the, the thing I always tell people is the worst thing that's going to happen is you get a no and you get a no when you don't ask. And so at least when you ask, there's an opportunity that something good can happen. So I, I've just learned to not be afraid. Most of these opportunities I've had have come from sending an email, telling them I love what they do and they've been you know, a huge inspiration and I'd love to give back. And here's how I personally – now obviously my skill set is video. So I've been able to you – know, I, can, I can go all the way back to 2010 and I filmed a Halloween party. And I filmed that Halloween party for free for this company, which then I went on to do freelance work for them that actually led to probably over $70,000 in freelance work just from that company, from that one free video, let alone the fact that that free video is what I sent to Tim Ferriss's people because they were having a launch party and I, two months after reading his book. And I found out, you know, I did the video for him for free, but I found out because other people were, were sending them some stuff, but they were sending like wedding videos. Well, that's actually all I really had at that time. But I had this one Halloween party that I filmed for this ad agency, and I sent them that video, and it was relevant to what they were doing. They gave me an opportunity, and from that point forward, I have, you know, I have plugged Tim's name and things, and that's led to other things, and it just went from there. But it, it started 
from a quote unquote, no name, nothing video that I did for free. So it doesn't mean that you have to go do, you have to hope that you can send an email to somebody you look up to and they'll give you the opportunity to do work for them. It's a matter of how can you either, A, if you have that skill set, like I said, of a, of a graphic designer, you don't need their permission. You can create something and send it their way and they'll go, oh my gosh, that's awesome. And then see what happens. Or if you're not that way, you can still send something and say, I'd love to give back. And if usually you can tell them how you'd like to do that for them instead of just a random email of like, well, if you've got anything for me, let me know. Because a lot of these people don't want to have to think about what they can have you do. They're actually so busy. It sounds crazy. But if you just tell them, this is what I want to do for you. Here's what I'll do. I'll do it for free. Like, and then remove the expectation that anything will ever happen from that. Don't do it with the expectation that they will do something in return for you. Yeah, so you owe me something later. That's my biggest, that probably is a, a, a hole there is my biggest thing. Do not be afraid to reach out, provide massive value to people and, uh, and then just keep, keep pushing at it. So. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this though. The, I mean, when, for someone that may be listening to this, who's saying, okay, I'm starting my business. I've got kind of this skill set. I've got this thing that I, I know I could help other people with. How do you kind of differentiate when you do free work that you think could lead to something? And again, not you're going into it going, all right, I'm going to take advantage of this situation of this person. But from a marketing perspective, I see how having this on my portfolio certainly helps me down the road. So how do you differentiate of when you do free work versus that also the balance of, I I need to get paid. I need to get paid, I, right. Yeah, I have to make a living. So how do you kind of determine that? Yeah, for everybody listening in regards to the free work, I mean, there's a lot of you know taboo or negative around free. And free leads to more free and more free and more free. <laughs> I, I get that. But from what I've found is it's the people who come to you that have found you from your maybe whatever marketing efforts that you have done, and they come to you and they want you to do free work. They're like, oh, well, I got so many friends and all this kind of stuff, and the, you know, I'm going to hook you up and, and blah, blah, blah. Like That I've found to never really help me out. Those people have never done anything for me ever. Right. But when I – all the ones that have led to things for me – I mean anybody listening now, you would know some of it. But like as a whole, the outsider looking in wouldn't know what video on my website right now is free – is $3,000 or was a $30,000 project? Like you just, you wouldn't know unless I specifically told you. And so what I find is when you're doing the free work, just reach out to somehow people that you just want to work with that are your ideal, you know, customer, client or whatever and and rock their world. And and in fact, especially people just starting out, you want to end up having just a couple things on your portfolio that stand for exactly what you want to represent you and your company because you don't want to start doing stuff. As soon as you are getting paid, typically you're at the mercy of the client to an extent, especially if you have nothing to really showcase what you do do and what you do stand for. And so I, I've used those you know, to create work that I literally you know, create it to a T how I want it and make the best video. So then when I go out and I get other work, people won't expect something else they'll only expect what they see that i have available if that makes sense yeah and so you know you need to do the free work and control it don't go in to do free jobs and then let that person that's not paying you a dime dictate every single move and every single thing that you do cuz i mean you know that's part of the thing that you're doing a free job too is to not be controlled um, at least that's also you know what i've found a little bit the the free work i've done i just get to go out create something that you know, I'm really, really proud of. And I know that hopefully the people that will come to me 
will resonate with that and I'll get to do more jobs just like that, but right. get paid for them. Yeah, so. I think you make a great point there that being strategic and being the one that's in control of when you do free, not doing free because they try to sell you on the reason that you should do free. Because I think most of us, we can kind of sniff out like, this probably won't lead to something based on how hard you're pushing me to do this for you. But if yeah. I see the opportunity and I go present the free opportunity to someone else, and the, again, the ball's in my court to control, well, hopefully what that outcome is and how I can best help that person, then yeah, it's a lot more strategic and a lot more uh, makes a lot more sense to do yeah. that rather than just kind of going off their word. What about for someone who, like specifically related to video, someone who's saying, okay, I, I'm into video, I've been dabbling with it, I want to get into it. What are some of those early steps? Sounds like, you know, the, just the hustle, the word of mouth, doing an insanely good thing, good good job, the bridal shows. What are some other things that worked for you to just help someone get started in the video business? I mean, one of the biggest things, I mean, honestly, was, you know, it, somehow, however you can do it, is find somebody who's where you want to be and try to even get in touch with them. I mean, I can't tell you that, I mean, I booked my first $4,000 wedding from my quote unquote competition. Some people, not all, are so afraid of competition, you know, and those are the ones, if, if you reach out to certain people and they're all weird about it or whatever, then just don't deal with those people. But there will be the ones that you reach out to that if you do it in the right way, which right way, just um, the way I did it, I just went to lunch with these guys. And I remember calling them up. And at first, the guy got on the phone. He, he didn't like mute me or whatever. And he's like, there's this Gebs guy on the phone. He kind of acted a little squirrely about it. And I got the owner on the phone. I said, I, you know, I hear about you guys all the time. I just would love to do lunch and introduce myself and whatever. And we did lunch. We hit it off. And like two weeks later, they sent me a lead. And I knew that they were like double the price of me. And bada bing, bada boom, I, I, you know, I got the confidence to try to charge a little bit more and I, I did and I booked it and then I started doing that more and, and that came from my competition. So to me, there is so much work to go around and we've talked about that, Grant, and, and even speaking or whatever. There is so much work to go around in any given industry ultimately that no single outstanding amazing company could service every person who's available out there it's not a supply issue it's a marketing issue nine times out of ten so in video just go out there and find the other people because maybe you both aren't going to do the same type of jobs or whatever so you can bounce back and forth and, and whatever i've just i've found it so valuable to and when you talked earlier about those word of mouth yeah a lot of those people were videographers sending me leads and so you know building relationships with your competition, which I'm only using that in quotes again, air quotes, if you were seeing me, you know, that idea of competition to me is just ridiculous. And so building relationships with the other people in your industry is great. Not everybody will, will want to do that, but the ones who do, it's great to have them as a, as in, in your, you know, arsenal and you can help each other out and you, you know, it'll just be great. And so um, beyond that, Yes, the hustle is huge, but go out there. I mean, the single biggest thing I would tell anybody is to find work. You can look at my work if you want, and I mean, we do have some things you can check out in regards to training, but regardless, even without that, I model just, I watch somebody's work, and I try to create stuff that looked just like that, and really, I was flat out not stealing their work, but I was copying, trying to literally mimic what these people were creating, right. so early on, just Find that. You can, like, so you can look at my work and just try to create a video for someone just like that. And that can be that free one. There's no pressure or whatever. But the guy I trained three years ago, you know, he created one video. That one video he did for a bridal place, actually. And he didn't want to do any weddings, this guy I was telling you about. He took that one single video and it led to 
tons and tons of other videos. And his biggest strategy is called strategic partnership. And so it's just finding other people, a web designer, a photographer, whoever, that you can partner with and kind of, you know, send each other work. And, you know, when, when someone you're dealing with needs X, you can refer them to them. And then when that, they're, that web designer, that, they're working with somebody that says they need a video, they'll refer you over. So just, I mean, building relationships, you know, cr- creating great work as quickly as possible as you can. Finding somebody that creates great work and figure out how to mimic that and create it. And then, you know, network, 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 and build relationships. Beautiful. So Good stuff, man. Really, really great thoughts. Hey, I know you've got a lot going on, and I know you've got a, you've got a, a podcast yourself that's rocking. You've got a, um, uh, a YouTube channel that's just killing it. So tell us a little bit about more of, of where people can find out about you, learn more about you, even the video side of the business, all the different irons you've got in the fire right now. <laughs> yeah, we'll give you guys a few links. Are you guys ready? Write, write them down. No, If you're on a computer, type them in. Uh, well, if anybody wants to see, because that's what we talked about the most today, you know, my video production uh, company and my video production work and everything, it's on gebstv.com. That's G-E-B-B-S-T-V.com. And then really, I mean, uh, you know, the biggest couple other things is my YouTube channel. I have a, a weekly series I've done since last September. It's been awesome. I've been having a blast, blast, blast doing that. And I just put up a, a, a video every Wednesday. And you can check that out over at youtube.com backslash Michael Gebbin. And then uh, if you just want to be notified of anything I got going on, check out the Gebs VIP, gebsvip.com. So that's, uh, those are the main things. That's enough. There's more, but that's good. <laughs> Beautiful. And we will uh, we'll definitely link up to all that in the show notes and any others that maybe we get later. But uh, definitely check out the YouTube channel for sure because I'm telling you, this is, you know, I've, I've met a lot of people on the planet, but Gebs is someone who uh, his his personality, his, his uh, love for life is infectious and just a genuinely really really good dude who's crushing it in business and crushing it in life and just the type of guy that you really you want to learn from that you want to stay close to so check out his stuff check out that youtube channel make sure you subscribe to that. don't just go watch a video too go subscribe to that thing that's like, there's good it. stuff there you want to see that every week every wednesday be looking forward to that check out his podcast as well really really good stuff so michael always good talking with you my friend we'll catch you soon i can roll buddy thanks so much see you bro All right, there you go, Michael Gebbin coming at you. Uh, hope you enjoyed that. Hopefully, you just were inspired again. Like I, I told you at the top of the show, Michael's a guy that's just he just has this this zest and this and this passion, this love for life. And I, I hope and I trust that that came across today. Uh, really, just a great, great guy. I, I hope for you, if you're interested in getting into video production, that maybe you learned a couple tips and, and tricks and strategies, maybe some ideas, some thoughts and some things that you could try, some different angles that you could pursue just to pick up new business. And even if you're not into video production, maybe that's just not your deal, but you're trying to figure out how to to grow your own business. Maybe what Michael did just to, just to connect with his competition and how he created some strategic partners, how that really opened some doors for him and led to some huge business opportunities. I think also Michael's a guy who's, who's taken some major risks just to connect with some big people, some big names, people like Tim Ferriss or Tony Robbins or Richard Branson, and these big people that he's been able to do video work for. Hopefully that's been inspiring to you to be able to to maybe make some serendipitous connections with those type of people, those those A-list people that maybe you look up to or admire in your your industry or niche. So make sure that you stop by grantbaldoncom slash Michael Gebbin and that you check out the links and everything that we talked about today in the show. Also, if you haven't had a chance... 
I would love it if you uh, would swing by grantbaldoncom slash iTunes. That just takes you to the uh, the iTunes page of the podcast. We would love it if you left a uh, just an honest feedback or rating. Just let us know what you think of the show. That helps us just know that people are listening besides my mom and uh, also just encourages other people who may be interested in checking this podcast out. So thanks so much for your your support. We really appreciate the feedback and, uh, and just the, the inspiration that you provide to us. So as always, if there's anything that that we can do to help you and support you on your journey to find and do work you love. Please, 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 please don't hesitate to let me know. You can email me grant at grantbaldwin.com anytime, or you can catch me on Twitter at Grant Baldwin. All right, that wraps up episode 12. We will talk to you again real soon. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.